Our speaker this morning, he's a good friend, but more importantly, he's a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's accompanied by his wife, Dawn. And I would like, with no further ado, to introduce our speaker this morning, Pastor Danny Orkiko. Thank you. Can you hear me? Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Insong. Uh, greetings from your brothers and sisters in uh, CCF Manila. And you know that my wife and I, are, and, and Tita Angie, we are grateful to God for allowing us to be here and meet our loving and CCF LA family. So praise God for that. Now, uh, before I proceed with the message, I have a question for all of us. If there's something, yeah, if there's something that you wouldn't want to personally experience, what would that be? Can you tell the person beside you? If there's something that you wouldn't want to personally or even your loved ones to experience, what would that be? You know, uh, before uh, we flew here uh, to the U.S., I was invited to speak in Camp Crame where Senators Bong Revilla and uh, Senator Jingoy uh, were uh, uh, currently being confined or detained. Okay? And I asked the same question. You know what, uh, what Senator Bong said? I don't want to be in jail. Right? And I believe that no one in this room uh, desires or is dreaming of spending like two, three years or even lifetime in jail. Meron po ba? You know, I know how it feels. My father, he was sent to prison. He was incarcerated for about 15 years in Muntilupa or the New Believed Prison. I know how it feels being a son. And I know how it feels because I personally experienced being in jail a couple of times when I was, still, when I was young and lost. So it's very difficult to experience uh, being in jail. Another thing I believe that no one would desire to experience is being inflicted with what? Cancer. Cancer is a very horrible, painful way to die. And being a pastor, and even my loved ones, my grandmother, my father himself died of lung cancer. My, my, mother, my grandmother died of colon cancer. And my brother-in-law, he died at the age of 37 due to tongue cancer. Very painful. And as a pastor, I ministered to a young man, 29 years old, 29. He suffered with HIV and eventually died at a very, very young, young age. Well, you know, being in jail or being inflicted with cancer or HIV, I guess we can still thank the Lord because we have loved ones who can spend time with us, take care of us, even hug and kiss us. And this morning, we will talk about men, group of men who experienced something that we can call it was their worst nightmare. So may I invite everyone to please rise as we read our passage taken from the book of Luke, chapters, uh, chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Let's read all together. Go.
Brothers and sisters, our topic this morning is about the grateful leper. So why don't we open with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege, the opportunity, and the joy to be gathered together to listen to your word and to worship you, Father, freely. And Lord, we ask that this morning, may you be in our midst. Father, I confess my complete dependence upon you. May you alone, Father, be glorified. We thank you and we praise you, Father. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may now take your seat. Now, if as we as we go back to this uh, passage from verses 11 to 13, as uh, it says here, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and he was and he was as he was going into the village, ten men who had what, who had leprosy. So this passage or story talked about Jesus and the ten lepers, and as Jesus encountered these men they the the, lep, the lepers they stood at a distance and then when they saw him when they saw jesus they called out in a loud voice saying jesus master have pity on us maybe or most likely these 10 men 10 men who had leprosy they lost hope they were helpless they were hopeless and they were miserable and they were thinking Maybe, or if only we get to encounter or meet this Jesus, most likely they have heard of the miracles that Jesus performed. Healing of the sick, calling the dead to rise. Only if we will have this opportunity to be with Jesus, then we can be healed. And when they saw him, most likely they were saying, Brothers, these prayers of ours has come into a reality. Then when they saw Jesus, they called out from their hearts, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. We can see that these ten lepers, these men, were so desperate to be, or to, were so desperate for the Lord's help. They were desperate for the Lord's, Lord's help. Have you experienced being in a situation wherein you were so desperate that you really wanted to meet with Jesus? Because you are in a situation that you believe no one can help or save you except for our Lord Jesus. They were so desperate. Why were they desperate? You know what? For us to be able to understand their predicament, we must be able to visualize the challenges that they faced. These pictures were taken in Manila, 1899. Manila, 1899. But... What about during the time of Jesus? What do they do with men afflicted with uh, leprosy? In Levit Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 to 46, can we read together? Go. You know, leprosy is horrible. It is painful, depressing, especially if you are the ones, the one inflicted with this kind of disease. There's no cure during that time. And why do they have to shout unclean? It is to warn the people as if they were telling them, do not go near me. I am unclean. Now imagine yourselves to be in that situation. You're one of these 10 men who had leprosy. Seeing your mother who took care of you. 
your father, your, even your spouse and your children, while passing in front of you, you will have to warn them, unclean, unclean. You know, honesty, if I was in that situation, I would rather die than not being able to go near, to embrace, even to kiss my loved ones. It's very horrible. Why were they so desperate about uh, being with Jesus? Why do they want uh, to be with Jesus, encounter Jesus? The lepers were considered to be unclean. They were contagious. They, that's why they were sent out of the camp. Okay? They were an outcast. They were disgusting, an outcast, abandoned. They were hopeless. They were helpless. And they lived a very miserable life. Now as we go back to this passage, when they saw Jesus, they made sure that Jesus will take notice of them. That's why they shouted, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And then how did Jesus respond to their call? When he saw them, what did Jesus do? He simply said, go. He said, go. Why just tell them to go? No more rituals. No more praying over. No more laying of the hands. No more speaking in tongues. They were just simply commanded to just go and show yourselves. Show themselves to whom? To the to the priest, okay? Why priest? Because during that time, if you are suspected to have this disease, you need a priest to declare you unclean or positive to be having leprosy. And if, since you were sent out, okay, and if you think you are healed, you also need to see a priest to declare you clean. Now you understand why they were told to go see a priest. And thus they went. Did they obey? Yes. As they went, they were cleansed. Yes, they did obey. And the question is, did they have faith in Jesus? Yes, outright. When Jesus commanded or told them to go and show themselves to the priest, as they went immediately, they received healing from Jesus. We now understand that for us to experience the healing power, the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, obedience and faith is very important. But faith is a manifestation, or obedience is a manifestation of having faith in the Lord Jesus. In verse 15, it says, One of them, when he saw he was healed, what did he do? He came back. Praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a what? He was a Samaritan. He went back upon uh, being healed by Jesus. He went back not just to thank Jesus. He went back to praise and worship our Lord Jesus. Now in verse 17. Let's see how Jesus reacted. To this one man okay, who went back to praise him. Jesus asked, were not all what? Were not all ten? Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Except for this foreigner. Then he said to him, rise, 
and go, your faith has made you well. You know, Jesus, being a Jew, he was actually not surprised to see a Samaritan. Most likely, he felt sad because the nine who did not went back to him were Jews like him. The only person who went back to thank and worship and praise Jesus was this foreigner called the Samaritan. And as we talked, uh, as, as mentioned a while ago, these lepers were contagious, disgusting, outcast, abandoned, helpless, hopeless, unclean, and miserable. And Jesus said to this man, this foreigner, who is a what? Who is a Samaritan? What about being a Samaritan? What's wrong being, uh, with being a Samaritan? You know, Samaritans were hated. They were despised by the Jews. So, this one man being with the nine Jewish people, the Jews, he was an outcast within the outcast. He lived a miserable life being with another miserable life. Now, the question is, what made the Samaritan leper return to Jesus? What made him decide? What made him return to thank and worship Jesus? What made the Samaritan leper return to Jesus? You know why? Because the Samaritan leper, he fully understood the grace of God. Have you experienced the grace of God? Do we know what grace is all about? Just like the ten lepers, I believe we all need the power of Jesus. Do you need the power of Jesus? Yes. Do we need the power of Jesus for what? What do we need the power of Jesus for? The power of Jesus to fix our what? Broken relationships. Are you experiencing, experiencing marital problems? Are you having problems with your children? You know, reality is no one can change the hearts of anyone. I cannot change the heart of my spouse. I cannot change the, the hearts of my children. Neither can my spouse change my heart or even our children. Reality is only Jesus can, can change the hearts of men. Since only him can change the hearts of men, it is only Jesus who can fix broken relationships. We need the power of Jesus to straighten our miserable lives. You look at the person beside you. Does he or she look miserable? <laughs> you tell them. You tell the person beside you, you need the power of Jesus. <laughs> we need the power of Jesus to liberate us from being enslaved to sin. Amen to that? Amen. Yes, we need the power of Jesus to liberate us from uh, being addicted to something, being enslaved to something. We need the power of Jesus to restore us spiritually. We need the power of Jesus to bring healing to our body. Yes, we need doctors. We need the medicine. But doctors and medicines are merely instrument, instruments of God's healing power. We need the power of Jesus to provide for our needs. Are you in need? Yes. yes, we are all in need. We need the power of Jesus to fill our what? Empty hearts. Can you do this? Empty hearts. We need the power of Jesus to fill 
our empty hearts. Now, let's talk about these nine lepers. I believe these nine lepers, day in and day out, when they heard about Jesus, the miracles performed by, the, by Jesus, they longed to see Jesus, but they never longed to be with Jesus. They longed to see Jesus. They wanted Jesus. They needed, the, they needed Jesus. For them, upon being healed by Jesus, for them to be able to do the things they used to do. What do I mean with that? If you are a basketball player, if you like going to parties, if you like playing golf, okay, if you want, if you love, uh, if you like uh, uh, mountain climbing, if you are isolated for a time, if you have not been doing the things that you used to do like for a long time, three months or six months, the first thing that you want to do is to do the things that you love. So these nine lepers, they long to see Jesus for them to be able the things that they used to do. And definitely, they longed and they needed the power of Jesus to be with their loved ones. They longed to be with their loved ones. The nine lepers, they thought all they needed was the priest who will declare them unclean. And we cannot blame them for that because Jesus commanded them to go and show yourselves to the priest. So they went, but they never returned. They thought all they needed was the priest who will declare, declare them what? Declare them clean and not Jesus himself who made them clean. All they, th they thought that they needed the priest, but not Jesus himself. himself. The nine lepers, they needed the power of Jesus, but not Jesus himself. The nine lepers... They needed the power of Jesus but himself. That's why we can now say that they were ungrateful. Sa Tagalog, walang utang na loob. Sa Spanyol, ingrato. Sakit, no? Walang utang na loob. Ingrato. The nine lepers, they were ungrateful. They were unfaithful they never returned to their savior they never returned to their savior just like the nine lepers do we think do we all agree that at times we behave we act and we think like the nine lepers because at times just like the nine lepers we desire for gifts we enjoy the blessings we enjoy the gifts but we forget about the giver Oh, thank you. This is nice. What's so lovely? <laughs> we enjoy the gifts, but we easily forget about the giver. Just like the nine lepers. Lord, I have a problem. I am in need of this. I am in desperate need of that. We are quick to pray, but we are slow to praising and worshiping our Lord Jesus. Oftentimes, Bible studies, if the call time is 8, we arrive 9. <laughs> Sunday service, but not here in CCFLA. <laughs> I just arrived very early. <laughs> 
we are quick to pray, but slow to praise. Just like the nine lepers. We long for Jesus. We look up to Jesus like a genie. I wish. Lord, bonus na lang. I-reward mo naman ako. We look up to him as a genie and at times like an ATM machine. When do you visit the ATM machine? To deposit? To withdraw. When do we oftentimes call upon Jesus if we are in need? So sometimes, just like the nine lepers, we look up to Jesus like a genie, like an ATM machine. And just like the nine lepers, they looked up to him since he had the power, he has the power to heal and to bring, uh, to save people. They looked up to him as the Savior and as the healer, but not as Lord and Master. If these nine lepers, they wanted or desired not just to see, not just to encounter, but to be with Jesus, they will be like the Samaritan leper. They will take time to go back to thank Worship and praise Jesus. The Samaritan leper, on the other hand, the Samaritan leper had no priest to declare him clean. He was not a Jew. Upon obeying that command of Jesus to go show yourselves to the priests, as they went, upon realizing, where will I go? I have no priest to declare me clean. All he had was Jesus. All he had was Jesus. The Samaritan leper, he was so grateful and faithful. He went back to thank and worship Jesus. How about us? Have we experienced being in a situation wherein we feel so helpless, hopeless, and miserable? And we are so desperate to be with Jesus. And upon having found by Jesus, being restored by Jesus, do we, as a lifestyle, constantly go back to Him to thank Him, worship Him, and praise Him? And give Jesus the honor and glory because of what people see in us. I think and I believe, for us to be grateful, we need to understand what grace is all about. I know that you know Grace, the wife of our pastor Danny. <laughs> the beautiful wife. That is Grace! <laughs> Having Sister Grace being the wife of our handsome pastor Danny, that's Grace itself. <laughs> and we all know <laughs> that Grace is an unmerited favor. Something that you don't deserve, but still given to us. But you know, it's easy for us to say. That's, that's, that's the meaning of grace. But I think for us to, to really understand what grace is all about, we need to experience God's grace in our lives. We don't have to marry all the graces in the community. <laughs> for us to understand the grace of God, we need to personally experience God's grace in our lives. You know, last March, I believe, uh, my wife and I, we were invited by Pastor Peter to join him 
in the conference wherein he was invited as the main speaker for that conference. It was in Malaysia. And I was surprised to see a lot of Malaysians in Malaysia. <laughs> you know, when they, when they found out that I was a Filipino, you know, the young people, they were so excited to ask this question. They did not ask about the Philippines. They did not ask about Manila. You know what they asked of me? About Boracay. Boracay. They were so interested about, no, no, about uh, knowing about Boracay. So the first question they asked me, is Boracay really a nice place, a nice beach? What about the water? Is it really that clear? How about the sand? Is it that fine? And is it really that wide? You know, I said, you know, Boracay is very, very, very nice. The water is very, very, very clear. And the sand, it's very, very, very white. And it's that fine. Have you been to Boracay? Not yet. <laughs> I just heard it from my friends. No, I, I, I've been there a couple of times. But what if you will uh, describe Boracay that way and then eventually tell them that you haven't been to Boracay? Same thing with God's grace. How can you talk about the grace of God to others when you just borrow other people's story? What about God's story in your life? How about God's goodness in your life? We have to be passionate. We have to be intentional in making people know about the grace of God. We have to let them experience the goodness, the love, and the grace of God through us. You know what? We have a lot of this in Manila. We call that Taong Grasa. In English, Greece man. <laughs> I think you call them homeless, right? So what if, if there's a homeless man or a Greece man, taong grasa, you are with your family, what if this man will approach you, go near you? What will you do? Reality is, what will you do? Lalayo tayo, hindi ba? You'll tell your wife or your children, we must, we must leave. Why? It, they stink, right? And they look physically very unclean. But you know, physically, they look unclean. But you know what? Our lives before coming to know Christ basically is basically, basically the same. No bigger sin, no smaller sin. God sees us the same. In the eyes of God, we all look the same. Without Jesus, we all stink. Without Jesus, we all look like a trash. Without Jesus, we are all unclean. Just like him, we were unclean. We were helpless. We were hopeless. We were miserable. Without Jesus, we will look forever unclean, helpless, hopeless, and miserable in the eyes of God. For us to be grateful, I think this is the best thing for us to do. 
This should be a practice of all the children of God. For us to live a life that manifests the goodness of God, we need to look back where we came from and see the great work God has done in our lives. I am a mountaineer. The, the first time that I, I climbed Mount Banahao. Mount Banahao is the third highest mountain in the Philippines. Midway, I felt like giving up already. But you know what? When I looked back, I saw how far I've already traveled. And that gave me that, that excitement to see what's on that mountain. For us to experience the grace and understand the grace, we need to look back where, where we came from and see the great work God has done in our lives. I invited my wife to share to you our journey. So let's welcome my lovely wife, Dawn. Good morning. What would you do if you had a spouse who was a drunkard and a shabu user? And what would you do if you discover that your spouse is having an illicit affair, not just with one, but with three other women? How would you react if your spouse aims a gun at you and your children, I have experienced all these with my husband and I suffered a miserable life for 10 long years. I'm sure it will be easy for you to decide to just leave the marriage and file for an annulment, thinking that there is no more reason for staying. All of these may be too much to bear, but I realized that they were consequences of my wrong decisions early in life. I disobeyed my parents for having a relationship at a very early age, which led to my teenage pregnancy. I grew up with absentee parents who were both busy with their careers. My parents thought that providing us with material things could make up for their lost time, but they did not know that though I was the quiet, uncomplaining, and easy to please daughter, I was actually longing for love. Until our neighbor, who was my greatest crush, eventually became my boyfriend when we were both 13. Yes, 13 years old. My parents got the greatest shock and scare of their lives when they found out that I was already six months pregnant and I was only 18 then. My parents did not like my boyfriend, so they decided to allow us to live together and marriage will come later, thinking that we were both very immature. We were both undergraduates, so we had no work and we depended on my in-laws for our basic needs, even that of my baby's needs. I thought my partner would somehow look for a job to fend for our basic necessities, but he ended up getting hooked with Shabu he spent more time with his friends, and he would usually go home the following morning. There would be nights when I would be surprised with several problems, such as a call from the hospital because of a major car accident, of which he had two, or from physical injuries because of fistfights, sometimes even with policemen or the military. 
He was detained several times in different police stations for cases of robbery, physical injuries. He also got involved in murder and gang rape at the age of 17. No amount of tears can make my husband change. Every day I would wait, cry, and pray. I even had Bible studies from a cult for two years, but I felt something was lacking. I knew in my heart that it was only God that I can run to, but then I was constantly seeking and longing for peace. In 1995, I was invited by my sister-in-law to attend a worship service at CCF Valle Verde because she was going to give her testimony. Shortly after arriving, I found myself singing praise songs for God, and I couldn't stop myself from crying. At the end of the speaker's message, I made the most wonderful decision in my life, and that was to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Suddenly, there was peace, joy, and so much love in my heart. With all the problems that I was going through in my marriage, I realized that God was the only solution to my problem. We got married in a Christian wedding through CCF after five years of living together, but my husband never changed. In fact, the night before the wedding, my husband admitted that he got involved in a relationship with my neighbor, which I was a godparent to her daughter, with a friend and a best friend of my closest cousin, and several other women, most of which were live-in relationships. It was easy finding out if he had a girlfriend, but it would be hard to make him admit. He would usually confess about his relationships after they were through, but the last relationship he had was the most painful experience for me because he asked for my permission to give him time to end his affair. And guess what? I agreed. I even befriended the girl, hoping that she and my husband would have pity on me. I would ask her each time if my husband was with her during nights when he would not go home. But it only made me realize that my, love, my, hus my, um, that my husband loved her more than me. So I eventually stopped calling the girl because it was becoming harder to bear. I in fact called her for several months. It was during the one year period of tolerating the affair that my husband would say, I love you to his mistress on the cell phone while I was beside him. But I just kept quiet and cried silently. Pictures of the girl would be seen on his cell phone. There were no pictures that time, but there was a sticker at the back of his cell phone, so I would always see that picture every day, even during meal times. Um, the picture was not just on the cell phone, it was on his wallet, his organizer, and even inside the car. But I never thought of removing nor throwing them. My husband would even answer her calls, even in the middle of the night, while I would sneak, hearing my husband say, I love you and I miss you, with matching kisses. I would pretend as if, as if I did not hear anything. I just kept quiet and mastered the act of crying silently. My husband would call me sweetheart when we call each other baby. I found out from our friends and from my in-laws that my, my husband wanted to file for an annulment so that he can get married with his mistress. 
I was so devastated, but I decided to share my problems only with my Bible study group, and I chose to keep it from my parents and friends, thinking that I still wanted to protect my husband and her family. When my parents and close friends found out after one year that my husband left me for another woman, they convinced me to file for an annulment, which gave me so much pressure that I almost give in. But whenever I go to God and his word, I am reminded about his many promises in the Bible that gave me so much comfort and trust in God that with him, nothing is impossible. While my husband was enjoying his life with his mistress, I was enjoying mine with God. I made myself busy knowing the Lord more and more until I became so in love with God. It was my love for God that gave that unconditional love for my husband. It was God's forgiveness of my sins that I also learned to forgive my husband's sins. So I chose to live my life God's way and not my way. Then I realized that I was still the lawful wife, so I continued to submit to my spouse and I continued to serve him. There was no bitterness in my heart, no anger, no hatred. It is only by God's grace that I held on to my marriage. I never gave up. I prayed fervently. I waited patiently and I surrendered wholeheartedly. And I was very hopeful of God's restoration of my marriage. And God was truly faithful in keeping his promise because he made miracles after miracles after miracles. My small group had been praying that the mistress will find someone who was single and that she and my husband will fall out of love for one another. And guess what? My husband's mistress got pregnant two times but all became miscarriages. Soon after, I found out from our friends that their relationship had been turning sour. And then surprisingly, I found out that she later got married with a foreigner who was single. So after three years of separation with my husband, God did not only restore our marriage, he changed my husband to more than what I actually prayed for. My husband encountered a major trial when he was charged with a case of frustrated homicide. During the most miserable stage in his life, he remembered me, so he called me and I fetched him right away. This became an opportunity for us to be together. I treated him as if he did not do anything for the past three years we were separated. I never mentioned about all his sins and the hurts he has given me. I killed him with kindness. <laughs> there were times when I would notice him to be so quiet and lonely. So I asked him if it's because he misses his mistress. And guess what was his answer? He gave an honest yes. But God never gave up on him, and so did I. Not long after, he started joining me in my Bible studies, and then in the Sunday worship services in CCF, and then the Dawn Watch. It was in the Dawn Watch that the Holy Spirit really touched his heart and humbled him. It was the first time I saw him pray from the heart. 
because he was crying nonstop, very broken before the Lord. It was then that he asked for forgiveness and he surrendered his life to God. From then on, he no longer smoked. He used to smoke two packs a day. He no more took illegal drugs. He, he um, took shabu for 15 years. He never said foul words. He never went out with his drinking friends anymore. He was no longer a violent man. He was no longer, most importantly, he was no longer a womanizer. He became a very affectionate, thoughtful, patient father and a loving husband. From a regular church attendee, he became a small group member and then a D group leader. He developed the eagerness to continue serving the Lord. That's why in 2005, he was commissioned as a youth pastor for CCF East. Three years later, he was the pastor of CCF Taitai, and just this year, he is now the hub pastor of CCF East. But the most amazing miracle that God did in my life is how he turned my husband from a sinner to a servant of God. I thank God for breaking me, which led me toward making wise decisions. First, when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and second, when I chose to hold on to God's promise of restoring my marriage. Indeed, God is faithful to reward those who patiently wait upon the Lord, who seek guidance from Him, and who obey Him. My name is Don Orkiko, and I am a pastor's wife. To God be the glory. Only Jesus can change the hearts of men. And I know, especially the wives, the women, you are thinking of killing me. <laughs> God has already forgiven me. My wife has forgiven me. And remember, she said she killed me with kindness. <laughs> the old is gone. The new has come. I am now a follower and a servant of Jesus. You know, the very thing that I enjoy the most, of course, the relationship with God, but being with the family is one of the greatest thing, best thing that I, I, I really am thankful to God. I enjoy the times uh, being with my family, with my children, with my wife, and I only have three children. The young lady there is the girlfriend of my eldest son, JV, who is now 23 years old. And of course, my accountability partner, my best friend, my loving and the forgiving wife. <laughs> and of course, the in-laws. You know, my, my mother-in-law used to hate me. But now, you know, we, we, there's three of us, the, the, the sons-in-law. But uh, it's, it's, between, it's just between us. Na? I am the favorite. Yeah. <laughs> One time, we were having dinner. I told my mother-in-law, you know, ma, among all my mother-in-laws. <laughs> you are my favorite. You know what she said? 
Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Don't ever say that to your mother-in-law. She will not they will not kill you with kindness. <laughs> and this is my my family, my siblings, my mother. And indeed God is so gracious. She also restored my relationship with my siblings. And the grace of allowing my mom to see the black sheep being a servant of God. You know, as I listen to my wife's testimony, the more I look back, the more I see the grace of God. The further I see where I came from, the more I realize how God, how far God has carried me. I believe for us to be grateful, we need to realize how miserable we are apart from Christ. And I remember that day, the first dawn watch uh, that I attended. It was after the pastor uh, giving the message when he invited everyone to rise and they called on the name of the Lord three times. Remember that? They shouted three times, Lord, 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 just like the lepers. I had goosebumps, and I believe it is the Holy Spirit who impressed in my heart, you know, the prayer, the effective prayer should come from the heart. And I knelt down, and this, is, this was my first prayer. I asked God, Lord, if you are real, help me. Help me. I don't know and never experienced what true joy is all about. And then all of a sudden, I started to tell God the hurts that I had with my father. How we suffered as a family. How I was verbally and physically abused by my dad. He abandoned us to be with his mistress. And I told God, Lord, I need your help. Help me quit smoking. Help me stop drinking. I was like an alcoholic. I drink every day. I take drugs every day. I ask God, Lord, you heal me from being addicted to drugs. And I ask God, Lord, my heart is filled with hatred. That's why I was a violent man. So I ask God, you heal my heart that I will be able to forgive, that I will no longer become a violent man. And I ask, Lord, I want to bless my mom. I want to bless my wife. Help me to be faithful to her, to stop womanizing. And God is so gracious because that day I realized how miserable my life was. God's grace was poured out upon me. I cannot, and I cannot imagine living a life without Jesus because he is the joy of my life. How about you? What was your condition when you had your personal encounter with Jesus? Where were you when you were found by Jesus? Just like the Samaritan leper, do we still consistently do we live a life? Do we manifest a life 
of gratefulness to Him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you, Father, for allowing us to study this story, a great story, a real-life event, wherein a grateful leper encountered you and experienced what grace is all about. Just like him, O oh God, we used to be lepers. We were unclean. We were hopeless. We were ho helpless. And we lived a very miserable life. And you found us. And Lord, but we do ask for your forgiveness. Because at times, we behave more like the nine. Not being grateful and mindful. And not living a life that is truly pleasing to you. After receiving all the blessings, the grace, the love, and the forgiveness, we at times focus too much on our wants rather than enjoy our fellowship with you. Lord, we ask that today our lives will never be the same again. That we would constantly go back to you worship you and live a life that will manifest a life of being grateful to you our savior our healer our restorer and our master that we will now be so focused in living a life not just for ourselves but for you and others that we will be so intensive and passionate in declaring the world, the people, the community around us about the grace, your story, not our story, your story in our lives. And I believe, Father, it is your goal, your purpose and plan to use each one of us to bring glory and honor to your name by constantly being reminded of where we are before we came to know you. Lord God, we thank you for CCFLA. We thank you, Lord, for the servants here in this church. We thank you, Lord, for the loving church. And we ask and pray, O oh God, that you will cause this church to grow in ways that people will be so overwhelmed by your works in this place. We thank you and we praise you, Father. And Lord, I speak blessing for all the families represented here today, that you bless them with love, with peace and joy. We praise you and we glorify your name. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.